have you gone through a dark night of the soul and did that experience unlock a whole new way of being for you and maybe even some sacred medicine? Today's guest, Rainbow Raja, is here to share with us her story of going through that dark night of the soul by working with spirit and nature and then finding hidden strength and lessons for her own life, as well as beautiful sacred medicine that she shares with us in this episode. Join us to receive this beautiful healing. Soul Nectar Show, the Soul Nectar Show. You're invited, delighted to discover who you are. Anything is possible if you believe. So join us on this beautiful journey. Soul Nectar Show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the campfire and we share our stories of connection to that which is bigger than us, to the great mystery beyond the veil, to those synchronistic moments when something's revealed that's so true and you get goosebumps all over your body and you have that wave of sensation that there's something larger interacting with you and guiding you and loving you and holding you and teaching you. And that's the kind of experience that I love to share on Soul Nectar Show. I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird. And I love having these conversations. It's just, uh, once that door was open for me to realize that the consciousness of this planet, the consciousness of this universe, it was interacting with me all the time. And it's just such a different way of living than the way I lived before when I thought I was all separate and alone and, you know, having to be up to my own defenses and figure it all out by myself. And now there's like this, this just magical door that opened with this realization and it makes life a completely different experience. And I like to invite people, all of you listening to this other kind of experience. And so I bring guests on every single week to shed light, hopefully on some aspect of that opening, that magic door opening, that connection to that, which is bigger than us so that you might find yourselves in it. And you might say, oh, that's a piece of this puzzle. Cool. I didn't even realize that I didn't put two and two together. Maybe you will now. Maybe you'll figure that part out and then you'll open the next piece and the next door will unlock. So that's my hope for every single one of these broadcasts and for everybody that comes on the show and for everybody listening, because we deserve to live as divine beings, having a human experience and unfolding the magic. Don't we? We deserve that. I feel that way. So Today's guest is Rainbow Raja. Thank you for being with us, Rainbow. Thank you for having me, Carrie. I am so honored to be here. It is such a privilege. Thank you so much. So glad. So Rainbow Raja has spent the last eight years working one-on-one with people across the globe to help them transform their lives through shamanic bodywork and Phoenix activations. And hence, we're going to experience some of that today. So cool stuff. Since she was four, she always knew that she wanted to be a massage therapist and a magic worker. Rainbow Raja had to overcome the dark night of the soul by working with spirit and nature. And I know many of you listening have had your own dark night of the soul. And so it's always comforting to hear a fellow sister tell us her story. And so stay tuned. So through those trials, she found hidden strength and lessons to harness her own self-empowerment to free herself. And her own personal journey of transformation from victim to valiant warrior is the bedrock of the healing work she offers to others. And 
she also has her own podcast and I'll put a link below to all of these beautiful links. You can go check out her website, rainbowraja.love and Ascending Masters at Academy and go check out all her cool stuff. But in the meantime, you want to find out more about her. So Rainbow. You know, I, I'm so grateful to be here. First of all, thank you. Thank you. And you know, I, I haven't really gotten much of a chance to tell people about my my story. I've kept pretty quiet about it. So thank you for challenging me today and uh, bringing me a little bit out of my shell. Yeah, I at a very, very early age, I was like four years old when I woke up one day and I just I just knew that I wanted to be a massage therapist. I called it a masseuse at the time. I think that was the word for it. And I remember being in kindergarten and my teacher was like, okay, everybody, what do you want to be when you grow up? Let's all like sit down and, and draw pictures and write. And I had a list. I was like, number one, masseuse, number two, mom, number three, writer slash actor. So <laughs> like, I remember having a very clear idea of who I was going to be and what I was going to be doing in my life at a really early age. And when everybody was playing house, I was playing massage spa and I had like two, two friends doing the arms and I did the back and I charged five wood chips for five minutes. And I had counselors, I had teachers, yard duties. They were all lined up for their five minute massages. I had a teacher in sixth grade and she was like, Hey, you're really good at this. If you, you know, I'll let you go for as, you know, you don't have to do any schoolwork. You don't have to do anything. If you can do my, my, you know, massage my back, I'll let you go for as long as you can handle. She thought I'd be done in like 15 minutes. I, I didn't have to work the whole day. I was like, this is, this is awesome. I just massaged for the whole day. And she's like, you're better than my deep tissue therapist. I had like so many moments growing up being, you know, I, I tried acting for a while and I'd be backstage. And like the moments I remember the most is sitting, you know, in rehearsal massaging all of the other actors and just talking to them and like being like, Oh yeah, you got a knot here. You got a knot here. And like, I had certain little techniques that at the time I didn't know what I was doing, but I was doing energy work on them. And I was like, uh, people have like cry, like these are like teenagers and like younger kids. And they would just like start crying. You know, I didn't know why I was like, Oh man, you must be really stressed out here. <laughs> Let's really calm you down. You know, so I had a really clear vision of who I was and what my role was at a really early age. I took that for granted for a long time. And in my teens, I kind of, well, it was like 10 years old is when my dark night really started. I had emotional problems, you know, and I was diagnosed as bipolar type one at 10. And I was put on a lot of medications for about a decade. And I lost a lot of time on medications. I had a lot of out-of-body experiences. I have huge chunks of memory that is just not there. And it's, it's really a shame. But through that era of almost like forgetfulness and like, I remember being so empty. I was depressed. I had no words. I literally felt like there was a black hole inside of me. It was so tangible and so visceral. And I was constantly trying to do anything I could to feel something, anything, anything beyond this abyss. I like wrote poetry to try and explain it and to try and make sense of it. I went through this whole, you know, um, I don't believe in God, you know, 
if there is a God, like what a, you know, not, not a nice person this person is. The realization that certain events were really important in order for me to experience just how blessed life really is. So there was this transformation I had to go through alone. Nobody in my family is spiritual. And I was having a lot of psychic experiences with entities. I'm really, really empathic and entities would kind of puppeteer me around. And that was where the bipolar came from is, uh, you know, I couldn't see them. But when somebody was like, hey, it's not you, it's something else. I suddenly became aware of their presence and then I could see them. And then I started, you know, creating stronger boundaries and they couldn't do their thing anymore. And yeah, so I, I went into massage school and a whole bunch of other things. Like I just had a whole bunch of not great experiences in the high school era of my life and got back on my path and re-remembered who I was by the time I was about 24, 25. And um, then I started on this transformational work that I've been doing. It's just been, it's been such a privilege to be able to work with so many people that I've worked on. You know, like they come to me, it's such a vulnerable space to be in, to have somebody say, I need help. And for them to be you know, willing to receive help from a stranger. Like it's such an honor to see people who have come from like, who are like in the worst place in their life to like a couple months later telling me that they finally have the career they've always wanted. And like all these great things are happening. Like it brings me to tears. And I'm like, so, so, so grateful that I was one of those people that I almost got to transform myself. And that's why I was able to like go around and do this for other people. It's like, uh, I have so much gratitude just from the bottom of my heart, like for my journey and like all the suffering, like I had like a whole bunch of sexual bad stuff that happened. I'm just really grateful for all of those things that led up to those pivotal moments that allowed me to make the changes and understand the energy dynamics in our world. Like what kind of contracts we we enter when those kinds of situations happen and how I can have more power over those cycles and those karmic patterns and to be able to work with like ancestral patterning that like my parents and her parents and their parents, you know, have set up and to see that pattern and to work through it. I mean, it's just, it's so exciting. It's like a Harry Potter book. It's, I, I live a Harry Potter book. It's great. Yeah. On this side of the healing. Yeah. It's awesome. Right. It's like, you finally get it. I love that moment. There's a couple of things you said that I really resonated with. One of the things you said was you were talking about the medications and how they just took you away from your life. Like you can't even remember the parts of your life where you were on these medicines. And I totally resonate with that. Like these, these psychological medicines are risky, you know, to say the least, I think, because they, they take you out of yourself. Yeah, they completely. I mean, I, I seriously... From the time I was 10 to the time I was in my early 20s, I was on over a thousand milligrams of SSRIs, MAOIs, like ridiculous. And it's really interesting because I would go to psychiatrists and therapists and my parents would pop me in there and nobody ever bothered to ask me like what was going on at home. They would ask my parents what was going on, the behavioral patterns I had, and then they would go off of that. But it was never like, maybe it's a family dynamic problem. You know, maybe this poor only child might, you know, maybe the parents are not giving the best view of the dynamic here, you know? And I love my parents. 
I'm grateful for them. They have taught me like infinite amount of lessons that I'm still integrating to this day. I wouldn't trade them for the world. But man, growing up, my parents are, you know, they had some sneaky tendencies that my therapist did not recognize. And I think that that really was a detriment to, I guess, the therapy process, thinking that it's the kid's fault because they're misbehaving. As a parent, now I look at my children and when they misbehave, it tells me that I'm doing something wrong. That, oh, my child is misbehaving. This is my behavior she's mirroring. She is a mirror for me. If she's misbehaving right now, that means that something is going on with me that I'm not able to see. I'm being blindsided by myself. So I have to like step out and ask her, like, where is this coming from? And it's usually that I work too much and she is feeling a little, you know, neglected. And I'm like, let's go have a girl day. Let's go do something. But my parents, you know, they worked a lot. And my parents gave me a lot of attention, but they put me in the middle of the relationship, which was really unhealthy. I was giving my mom therapy advice on the way to like preschool. I remember like drives where she was crying about my dad and where I'm like, why don't you just get a divorce? And she's like, I can't tear up the family. I'm like, I am the family and I'm telling you to get a divorce. <laughs> yeah. I'm the one, that's the one that's being impacted. It's hard. You know, I, I know that being a mom with a sensitive child and I would consider Myself, I was a sensitive child. I would consider you to be a very sensitive, right, perceptive individual. And my oldest son is very sensitive as well. Mm-hmm. And so sensitive children tend to pick up on the nuances of things and also tend, it just is just my reflection, but tend to be older souls. And, yeah. you know, and so we can find ourselves in that position of mentoring the parents, you know? And definitely that happened to me in my journey with my younger son, with my older son as well. Is like he was very perceptive, very in tune with things. And, and he was often like supporting me as I was going through my emotional upheaval from the divorce. So, you know, he put himself in that position and little kids often do that because they want to help. Yeah. But it's like the parent needs to be strong enough to not allow that to happen. And in my case, I was not, I was not awake yet. So I often look back on that and go, oops, <laughs> you know, cause here he is now. My daughter is, she's very, like you said, she's really in tune. She's very sneaky and she eavesdrops a lot. And she does put herself in the middle of things. Like she like inserts herself into conversations. And what I tell her is like, if she happens to be eavesdropping and she kind of like finds her way into our conversation, I always just say like, here's the situation because you're curious. Like you have taken the initiative to come and find out what's going on. You're curious and you can feel like subtle energy and you want to know what's going on. So I'm going to be candid with you. I'm going to be careful about what I say. You don't want to be too candid, right? But like right now, my partner and I were looking at moving because our landlord kind of gave us the impression that we won't be able to stay here for more than a year. So we're kind of taking a look at at housing. And she picked up on that. And she started to get really emotional and fidgety and like acting kind of like a little, little baby. Every time our baby is acting like baby, she just kind of does that. So we kind of were like, okay, she's picking up on something. Let's tell her what's going on. So we told her, She cried about it. She was like, I don't want to do that. And I was like, no, we don't either. 
do you want to, you know, just stay here when we're looking and you can just kind of, you know, get a babysitter and, you know, you can chill out and, you know, but after she was done crying, she got actually really excited about it. She was like, you know, if this is a forever house, which it is, that's what we're, that's our plan. Um, she's like, then I'll have all these opportunities. And I'm like, that's right. You will. But it, she wouldn't have been able to do that if I hadn't brought her into the conversation, sat her down and was candid without projecting the responsibility that I have onto her. Like, I don't expect her to carry the weight. I was like, you don't have to worry about anything. Um, we're going to find a way to like, make sure you still get to see your friends. We're not going to move far. Like we're going to stay kind of in the same area. And I think us reassuring all those things really gave her a sense of security in a very uncertain time. And so when we try and approach all issues in that way, and, and anytime we have, uh, you know, tips, my partner and I, we try and keep it outside and we try and, you know, let, let, you know, we just try and take it away from the family. And yeah, I mean, everybody has tips, right? That is part of it, right? We, we have matching shadow patterns. I think it's really healthy to, to confirm a child's knowing because a lot of parents will just go, Oh, everything's fine. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Nothing, that, that's not it's what's all, going that's but not see, the, the, the damage is like they're doing that to protect the child, but actually what it's doing is disempowering the child because the child already knows their intuition is going off like bells and whistles. And yeah. then you're telling them that it's not true. So now you're, you're denying their intuition and you don't want to do that. You want the child's right. tuition to be intuition to be strong. So I yep. love that you had those conversations and it is tricky. It's tricky to share how much to share. And that's kind of the gap that I got into with my older son is because I was like, you know, I wasn't sharing everything that was going on in my life. I wasn't like that, but it's just that he took on, like he wanted to take on some of the burden. And I was like, no, you know, I kept yeah. saying no, but he still sees himself in that counseling role. Like he's like, I counseled you for all this time. And I was like, well, thank you. Like, you know, and I kind of know it wasn't exactly like that, but that's his perception. You know, that's kind of how he felt it's really, it was. really, really great that you validate, that you say thank you. Still to this day, I really, I'll bring things up with my parents because I'm an only child. So like, I don't have siblings to go and validate myself with. And like, they are all I have. I don't have cousins I'm close with. I don't have, I have my parents. And they still to this day are like, that's not how that happened. That's not how that happened. That never happened. And I think I, I had a talk with them. Uh, my grandma just died. So I, I just recently had a talk with them about that. And I was like, I know you guys feel like you have to protect me, but I'm already like, I'm like 30. You guys don't need to protect me anymore. I All I need is you to hear what my experience was. And you don't even have to apologize for my experience. But if you could just be like, wow, that sounds difficult. Wow, I'm sorry that you know, that you are hurting at that time. I don't even care what, I just want to be heard. I don't want to be told my reality isn't real anymore. That was like my whole life. And I now know my reality is real. I don't need my parents necessarily to do that. I just don't want them to argue with me about it anymore because it's, it's tedious. tedious. It is. And you know, we all have different perceptual filters. So, and I, when I asked myself, both of my sons had feedback for me, you know, like as their mother is like, you know, that's how it works. Your mom, that you, people have, the children have feedback. So I got and the feedback. In, criticism, man. That's, I, that's, it's important it, to It's evolve. a little ouch, you know, but it's like, okay, so that hurts. But I was like, you know, what's better? Is it better to defend myself and then invalidate my children? 
Or is it better to say, wow, that must have been really hard, like you're saying. And then also point out, like, you did a really good job, by the way. Like, I see this, 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 and this about you. You're awesome at this. Like, look, that was great training ground. So to just point out, like, like for you, like, look at the work you're doing in the world. So it was actually good practice. It was. And it's also good. My parents denying what I experienced for so long has been really good training for dealing with clients because there will be clients who are taken aback by how accurate, like they come to me, maybe not expecting, you know, very much. Maybe they're not expecting like a really dead on reading or for me to do anything that they can actually feel on the other side of the zoom. Right. And then they start to feel things that they're not used to. And it makes them kind of throw up their guard. And suddenly they're like, oh, that's not really what's going on. Or they're ashamed of the situation if I'm doing a tarot reading. And I'm reading that and I'm like, okay, you want to play that? That's okay. Take what resonates, leave what doesn't. But they will always come back months and months and months later and say, oh my gosh, I'm I'm really sorry about, about what I said. Like this happened and this happened. And your session actually was like a really pivotal role for me to evolve and have a better life. So like, thank you. And those moments are really precious to me. Like I don't need them to do that, but it once again reminds me that like my intuition was correct. And, you know, I I really want to be able to help people. So even when people get their guard up and they kind of go into their little hermit shell because it's change, it's scary. Like my sessions would scare me. If I were to meet a healer that I burn things to the ground, like if you come to me, expect your life to really shift, um, like big shifts. And it can be scary because it's like, oh, people you've had in your life for a really long time might just phase out because they're not healthy for you. And you just haven't had the core confidence to say, these pe- I've outgrown these people. And so they fall off. And I get rid of things that are not going to sustain your growth. And sometimes it's terrifying because people want to kind of stay in their little cozy bubble. And uh, that's hard work. It's really hard work. And for the clients that do come to me and are so courageous to be like, yes, let's do this. I'm ready. And they take it like champions, man. Like some of these people take it way better than I would. <laughs> you know, oh, I guess I'm telling everybody on the whole world. But seriously, it's it's hard work to go into a healing session and to be ready for change and to expect all of the shadow work you have to do and to expect all of the, you have to pull out all the skeletons. You have to deal with all the emotions that you've been literally running away from for your whole life. It's so tedious and terrifying, but rewarding as heck because suddenly you get your new job opportunity. You get you get that guy you've always wanted or the girl you've always wanted or suddenly your relationship is working out of nowhere. And you know these these things... I mean, you have to clear that those energy lines, you have to clear out all that junk or you just, you can't get what you want. You're sitting there like, oh no, I spilled my milk. My, my, my life isn't going well, but you're not doing anything about it. Yeah. It's important to take action. This is the time. I mean, that's why we have so many tools for it right now. I mean, there's so many tools for self-inquiry. 
because we need them right now. This is what we're doing. We're clearing out a whole lot of stuff that was programmed and default behaviors. And we're, we get a chance to create from scratch. Like, what do we want to have? Like something that hasn't been before a higher vibration, you know, we get to have that. And that takes effort. So many, so many ancient healers and I'll even say intergalactic, you know, uh, people who have been reincarnated here. Like this is a really powerful time because we wiped out so many indigenous medicine people in recent, you know, not that far ago years. And, you know, all these people are reincarnating into powerful positions or semi-powerful positions. And they're able to share this ancient wisdom that they've been able to carry over into this lifetime and seeing these people like, they really don't look like they would be powerful healers. They, they look really innocent. I think we all decided to incarnate into these. I'm seeing a lot of women and I'm seeing a lot of, you know, privileged white women. And the thing is, is I think it was for protection. We incarnated into these bodies to protect our ancient indigenous spirits so that we could come back and share this wisdom without the feeling of persecution, which is a real serious problem. And like, I know that there's this cultural appropriation and I don't want to take anything from anyone. I do not claim any background of my own, my practice. I learned little tiny things from people, but it's all 100% me. And like, it's all coming through me from somewhere. And I mean, that's just, I see that for so many people, so many people. I think we being, you know, definitely I got the message that it was a very specific choice mm-hmm. to incarnate into a variety of bodies. But for me, the incarnation was into this vessel. Partially, I have a family line, you know, so <laughs> this Cherokee in my, in my heritage, oh, but wonderful. also a lot of Celtic. And mm. it's really because we have to heal it from the inside out. So if we've got, mm. you know, if we have, which we do have a white supremacy you know, Western world, and you want to heal that, you're not going to heal it from any other place, but the people that are embodying in those bodies. Because they have to make the choice. I'm a straight descendant of Brigham Young, one of the founders of the Mormon religion. And I always wondered why I was cursed with that. (laughs) Because you need to heal it from the inside out. And I have to heal it from the inside out. That makes so much sense. Yeah. So much sense. You start to look at it. It's like, oh, yeah, I was, I, I'm descended from uh, Abraham Lincoln's sister and English royalty way back, you know? So of course we're definitely healing this stuff from the inside out because where did all this violence come from? You know, not necessarily from Abraham Lincoln, but it came from, you know, my English ancestry, you know, a lot yeah. of this um, torture and torturing people and Iron Maiden and all this kind of stuff came from English people. So, yeah. you know, before that, probably some Vikings. So we, we you are know, the most suppressed. I mean, I suppress so much anger. I'm just going to be candid about that. Like I have anger. I've learned how to heal with it and, you know, work with it and heal with it in a healthy way. But man alive, sometimes I don't even know, like I have no clue where it comes from. And it's so, so volatile. I'm like, man, this is an <laughs> inheritance. <laughs> it is. It's an inheritance. And no matter what body you're in, yesterday I was having a, a chat with a beautiful African American soul who was, you know, who's definitely a rainbow person. And it, we were like, yeah, we're in it together, sister. Like, you know, because 
because she's got her ancestral stuff to heal and she's mm. like spending some time in Virginia, which, you know, grew up in Virginia, which is a toxic place if you're African-American to be mm-hmm. in that specter of all the ancestral trauma. It's just hard, you know? So we're we're in that crux right now. So, and I know that you said you went through a dark night of the soul. That mm-hmm. experience is actually really helpful because I feel like our collective consciousness right now is in a dark night of the soul. It's like we're having to face so many of our demons, right? So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so- especially with COVID. I noticed that so many people, it hit hard. It hit really hard for so many people. And a lot of people had either they were walking a path that just, they just didn't have to face all these deeper questions. Or I I don't know. It seemed like people my age and older people, like they were kind of avoiding that, having to do self-reflection, having to really look at their, their life and their place in the universe. And how small everything is and how great everything is and how interconnected everything is. And then COVID happened and everybody was freaking out. They're all having these really intense dark night moments. People are getting really, really depressed. And I was getting a lot of people asking for tarot readings. And these people, they have in their mind like a specific thing they want to hear. And I don't think that they were expecting me to say, no, I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you the truth. And It's just really interesting. Like, I know my dark night was so long ago. I was still a child. And I mean, I was struggling every day to feel like living was worth living. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I really, I was very suicidal for a long time. And it wasn't just thoughts. It was, I, I really want, I really didn't like this world and people. It was painful. This was a painful experience. And There came a point when I had, at the time, I didn't know I was communing with with beings, but I was sitting and I had these thoughts about how, you know, like this world really, you know, what you feel within is what you project without. And I was like, if this really is a living hell, if I was put here to suffer, I'm going to make the best of it. Like, I'm just like throw my hands up. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm bored of being bored. I'm tired of being tired. I'm, you know, angry with being angry. Forget it. I'm dropping it. I'm just, I'm just going to pretend I'm really happy. I'm just going to go around and live the way I want to live and be who I want to be and do what I want to do. The minute I made that decision, it ended. Mm -hmm. It really, it ended. I had gotten to this precipice where I wanted so badly just to end it all. And when all of my attempts had failed, I, you know, I just, I was like, okay, surrender. Like, I'm just going to do my own thing and you guys can do yours and like F you guys for putting me in the situation. But it, it really turned around. Like, I mean, I still had ups and downs, but for the first time, my life was in color. And that's a weird thing. No, I know what you mean though. Technicolor. It went from being, it it was kind of like, like a wizard of Oz. I was in this black and white movie and suddenly things were vibrant. And I could really connect with spirit. And I like started a practice. I started playing with tarot cards and I started really connecting with, I've always been able to understand animals. I really started to actually have communication with them where I would sit and I'd talk to them in their language and I was able to get messages. And I was like, well, how do these animals like have messages for me? That's really interesting. And it made me question things. I'd lay out under the stars and the stars spoke to me. I got information. I got visions of 
how the universe was created and what our role here is. And like, I got so much information and downloads from just laying out under the stars, contemplating my place in the world and why bad things happen to me. And all of those things, as little as they seem, somehow shifted me into a different perspective, a different paradigm where I was set up to finally be able to like take my destiny and start running with it. And synchronicities, following synchronicities, as as creepy as they can be at times where you're like, I don't know about this. This just happened after, you know, doing this thing. And, and this is really kind of freaky. I've learned to go with them because they lead me to the most incredible places. I would, I mean, it's magic. Synchronicities are magic and like real magic. And if you follow them and you're not afraid of them and you're excited about them, they'll happen more and more and more. And then really cool things, really cool things. Like I had an interdimensional being contact me over my radio and we had a discussion and like, I was actually able to interact with a being outside of our reality over the radio. And like, just because I was open to, to, to that experience and I didn't try and like go, Oh, that's just weird radio waves. I like was like, huh, this sounds, sounds kind of like you know, a soul language. I'm just going to try and talk to it. So I did. And it talked back and it was so exciting, you know? So, I mean, for anybody out there that's in your dark night, follow your intuition and just live for you. Start saying no, set really strong boundaries with people around you. Ground yourself into the earth. Surrender all of that stress. Surrender all of the pain. Surrender everything that feels like it's dysfunctional into the earth and just do the things that really call to you. Even if it seems like it would get in the way of your career or your family, like do it. Like if you feel like painting and you're like, Oh no, I can't do that. Cause I've got these kids, you know, like include your kids in painting. You feel like going on an adventure and you have kids like get a babysitter or take them with you or whatever, like work with spirit because you're getting that inclination for a reason. You are being called to something because that is going to bring you something magical. Follow those little tiny, little tiny threads of fate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, it might tear things up for a while, but then then it might put it back together in a better configuration too. And that's pretty much what's been happening for me in my journey for sure. Yeah, you is have that... to tear down unstable foundations to build a stable you know, found you like an actual building. If you're trying to build on something that's already kind of breaking, wobbly, like, you're gonna, <laughs> not yeah, true. Yeah, everything's going to fall apart later. So a lot of times, spirit has us clear, like level our life. We got to level. We got to start from the bottom, especially in areas that are not working. Like you might think that it's working, but you also know it's not really working. There's like little things, little signs that are showing you oh man, this just isn't working the way it should work. And you're getting all this, you know, but at the same time, this was your dream. This was what you wanted. This is, it's perfect mentally. It's perfect from a logical perspective, but in your heart, it's not there. And you're like, why isn't it working the way it's supposed to work? Those things, those are the things that if you allow spirit, they will clear it. They will clear it out. And you can take your little one step, take your little push into the right direction, but trust it, trust it, trust that if it, it's not here, 
then it shouldn't be in your life. Yeah, absolutely. What great, great advice. That's been my experience as well. I really love that. So now are you, are you open to doing an activation for us today then? Did you? Absolutely. Awesome. Let's do it, man. All right. Let me really quick. I'm going to grab some, some tools. And if everyone would just like take a deep breath in your body, if you're driving, please, please just keep your eyes open, stay focused. You can still receive this and, you know, just uh, try your best to stay aware. And if you happen to start slipping somewhere else, turn it off, just change the channel or whatever. I'll be right back. Okay. I can't wait to experience this. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So everyone just be open to receiving whatever is for your highest and best good. And if you're in a space that you can close your eyes and really relax into your body, that's the best way to receive this activation. I'm setting the intention that this is going to facilitate whatever changes are most needed for you, that you're going to clear out any anything that's blocking your path to success, to your destiny, to the goals that you want to set for yourself. And... Just so you know, this will take two to six weeks to integrate into your life. So drink a lot of water during that period of time, okay? (laughs) All right.
la o oto an imi anji eka mono ian nanohum laia. Thank you so much for receiving that and for being open to um, experiencing that. Really appreciate all of you out there listening and having an open mind about it. Thank you, Carrie, for, for letting me do that. That was powerful. Very, very beautiful. I could feel the guides working through you and their different energies and even your voice changing. That's so potent and beautiful and sacred. So thank you so much for sharing your gift with us today. Well, thank you for having me on and for giving me the space and holding the space for me to do that. And I hope the listeners um, enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed sharing it. Really beautiful. And I know that everybody listening, like you have to just send some feedback about that. What did you experience? What did you feel? What did you notice? Uh, I had all kinds of sensations in my body. And so I want to hear from you what you experienced. And you can also share directly with Rainbow. So you can share at her email, and I'll put this in the show notes, healing at rainbowraja.love. And if you do want to experience more of this for yourself, you can, because Rainbow's offering a virtual activation session at 50% off. Just mention Soul Nectar. So awesome. So beautiful. I want to encourage everyone to please share this episode out, like, subscribe, give us the ratings on iTunes and YouTube. I mean, you can imagine to spread that healing that we just received out to more people. How beautiful is that to share that gift and to share Rainbow's sacred portal out to more people. Thank you for sharing it, everyone. Oh, gosh, I'm in such a transcendent place right now. Thank you. You're welcome. And really, it's like I wouldn't be able to facilitate that without you. So such an honor. Thank you so much. Thank you. So please like, subscribe, share, and we're going to give everybody kisses as if you, you know, normally we just give kisses. Uh, now you guys received an activation and kisses. So thank you. Thank you to Rainbow. So here comes the kisses. And we'll see you next week on Soul Nectar Show. Be sure to drink plenty of water for the next two to six weeks. And let your emotions flow like a waterfall. Don't hold them in, okay, you guys? Let it flow. Let it flow. Beautiful. Okay, thank you so much for being with us and for sharing your gifts. And I love you all out there. Sending you so much love. And we'll see you next time on Soul Nectar Show. Bye for now, everyone. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show. Take a sip from the drip of nectar from the source of who you are.